Welcome to What Else? This episode is sponsored by Iron Galaxy. Scream like a school kid with Capsule Force, an intergalactic retro anime multiplayer game now available on PS4 and Steam. CapsuleForce.com I'd like to thank our friends at the Chicago Podcast Cooperative for their support and for hooking up the sponsorships and invite you to check out some of the other shows on the Chicago Podcast Cooperative like Friendshipping with Jen and Trin. This episode of What Else is a discussion with Ms. Eva Yusa, and I hope you'll enjoy our chat. Uh, we cover a bunch of topics, so let's get into it. All right, I think it's happening. Right now? I think it's happening right, right now. I'm excited. Okay. Although I feel really relaxed, which is That's great. That's good. That's how it's supposed to be, right? <laughs> like Were you hoping to feel I'm more sitting. anxious? Yeah, slightly. Okay. I think it's the performer in me that's like, okay, and then we're going to talk now. We're going to do things. So that's, right. I always pitch myself forward for things like that, which mm-hmm. is not physically how I'm oriented right now, which is great. That's good. It's a good change. Yeah. We'll talk about that. I'm going to just introduce <laughs> you. So this is Eva Yusa, who's my guest today on What Else? Um, so let's talk about that a little bit. You have, um, I don't know that much about this, but right, but you have a, a background performing. I have a secret past, a not so secret, <laughs> not so illustrious past. I graduated from college and instead of, uh, going to work for Leo Burnett, uh, or some other PR agency, I, uh, got a job waiting tables and, um, tried to be an actor, a working actor for, Almost 12 years. Okay. Um, <laughs> sounds like such a long, long time to be toiling in obscurity. Um, some um, of us have been doing it for a little longer, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> but it was. It was a full-on uh, career of uh, waiting a lot of tables, tending a lot of bar, and, uh, you know auditioning and taking classes and doing plays and doing industrials uh, and uh, having a really wacky project to project kind of schedule and lifestyle. And I think that it was incredibly informative and enriching to me long-term, but I really wish I'd gotten all that experience in about five years instead of 12 explain that part (laughs) you just wish you would switch gears sooner or something or just got what i love about it is i feel as though i threw myself fully at a very risky challenging career that i was very very passionate about and spent a decade plus um living as a you know as an artist, craftsperson, actor, right? I don't, not everything actors do is art as we are well aware, but I threw myself, um, at that career and life at which I think I'm still proud of, right? That, um, I have no regrets. I didn't leave anything behind or on the table. I, you know, um, gave it my all, which I think is, which, makes me feel really good. You know what I mean? I think it's a useful experience, um, to pursue something, um, 
at that level. Again, my only thought of you know wanting to cut that time in half, that learning curve in half is just <laughs> to, I wish I had that same feeling, but that I had switched later because what I'm doing now, um, what I switched to is just so much more satisfying. And I would have liked to have been quite frankly, a little bit farther ahead than I am at 45. Right. So I think, um, it feels like I'm a little bit of a late bloomer in some areas. And I think not so much. And I don't really think in terms of, Oh, everybody else is so much younger than me or, um, you know, I should just have more, a better title. It's not really about that so much as it's about, um, I don't know, we were, I'm aware of getting older and mortality and how much more time I have on the planet to do things Mm -hmm. and do what I want to do. So feeling really excited and energized about my career and eager to do a lot of other things at 45, I kind of wish I could have shaved off some years when I was sort of hanging out in my twenties and put them, tack them on in here somewhere. Um, I feel like I had more time to do all the things, but you know, do you, do you feel like there's, do you have a sense of like, there's stuff that you're not going to get to that you have a list and you're not going to get through it or I have a sense that there are probably some choices I'm going to have to make. You know, I've, you know, always got really crazy ideas like, oh, I want to go get my MBA and then I want to run a media company and then, or I want to, I want to write a novel. Um, I want to write seven novels. I don't even have any ideas for, or I want to, you know, go back and get a PhD in medieval lit. So there are sort of these giant, you know, ideas that I have that, you know, you know, you're going to have to make some choices around what, makes sense what you know you know and all of them require incredible work <laughs> mm-hmm. blood, sweat, and tears so it isn't like no oh, i'd like to travel to turkey i'd like to you know right. learn how to you know bake scones you know those are sort of long-term investments that right. you know i don't know i'd love to think i mean there are people who do that right there are people who sort of knock out a ton of incredible things uh that are sort of awe-inspiring but you know i'm also i also like just hanging out (laughs) (laughs) i get it that's totally reasonable it's not you know i don't always enjoy work i like getting a lot done in a short amount of time and having a lot of time to chill out do you feel like you're able to do that like you're able to have goals and things you're working on but also able to genuinely chill out and hang out yeah, I think I see goals as things that sort of stop me from my hangout time. It's sort of the flip. It's not I'm not the kind of person that goes like, gosh, I wish I could make the time to really live my life or hang out. I will always make the choice to blow off X, Y, and Z or, mm-hmm. you know, take half a day to do something or, you know, um, lie around instead of running to go do something that I think I have to do, so... And you feel like you're effectively able to do that and to, yeah. to not be I think finally. harangued by your... Yeah, I uh, think finally. I think more... Uh, I feel more harangued. I've, I have felt more harangued by my job. You know, the job sure. I had before this. I mean, this job is just much different in a, a horde of ways. But, you know, there was a point at which, you know, I was in PR. So that's 
literally one of the most stressful roles that you can have with any company. And it's just nonstop. It's kind of you're always in triage mode. You're always assuming, you know, trying to prepare for the most horrible thing that you need to respond to. Um, but it's also pretty thankless. You know what I mean? You're not saving lives. You're not, right. <laughs> you know, rescuing people from fires. You are trying to, you know, craft some messaging to make sales continue, which is, you know, not the most laudable pursuit. So though that combination, I think made me feel really distracted by work and constantly fixated on it in a really negative way and, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, really distracted by the, you know, really pursued by it, um, which is just no way to live at all and not anything I'll look for again. So I think, yeah, I think I think it's totally achievable to have a good balance, but, yeah. you know. When you think about your, you talked about your, um, goals and ideas of things that you might want to undertake and some of them are significant. Do you, um, do you have like a yardstick? Do you compare yourself to something, to other people or to some, uh, you know, even internal set of no criteria? I don't. I, uh, sometimes I'll be inspired by, well, this person didn't write her first novel till she was 42 Mm -hmm. and this person had these three careers and then did this or this person earned a PhD and MBA at the same time or um I I don't know if it's inspiration but it's well if that happened if that's possible if someone was physically mentally emotionally capable of doing it then it's possible to do it so that if it is then (laughs) I can keep it on the table and see if you know Mm -hmm. it's something that I can make happen. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So it's, I don't know, it's, maybe a, it's a more realistic, yeah, it's kind of <laughs> more of like a, well, if it exists, if it, is, if, it had hap- if it happened in nature once. You don't need to rule it out. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. Um, of those things, so you, of like the creative pursuits that you have in the back of your mind as things you'd like to tackle, what, what seems most appealing? Like what's at the top of the list? It's so funny because I, you know, when I first started working at the university, all I thought about was, wow, I want another degree. I want to go back to school. I want an MBA. I want to, you know, I'm smart. I want to run something or, you know, I could be doing more with my brain than I'm doing now. Um, And then somehow concurrently, I felt like, wow, I, I sort of started to think again. I don't do anything, quote unquote, creative in the way that I used mm-hmm. to. You know, there's nothing. um you know, that's got a very marginalized place in my life and has for a very long time now. And what do I do with that? You know, what's the, you know, I need some of that back for a lot of reasons. So, you know, I think in my job, I have a lot of, you know, I write all the time and I edit all the time. So, um, I think I'm, I'm trying to slowly make more consistent ongoing time for me to write, Mm -hmm. which is a, different which 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 you know certainly something I've always done but to sort of embrace it as um my personal creative outlet I think is where I'm at now do you do it on a regular basis like what's your approach for doing some writing well it's you know in 
true to true to form, I go in fits and starts. I'm just like, I have this idea and I'm going to spend and I'm going to do this every night for at least 15 minutes. And I do that for like a week and then I stop. So, um, luckily again, luckily my job, I can, you know, I'm writing a feature story. So there's some amount of creativity in that. And there's mm-hmm. some ways in which I can sort of start to get in that mode at work as well as outside. There's less of a divide. Mm-hmm between what I want to do at work and what I want to do outside of work um, in terms of that pursuit, which is really, really great. Um, but I think it's really funny. We have friends who, she's a, uh, she paints, she's a painter, but she spends most of her time uh, um, being head of the household, stay-at-home mom. But uh She's, a, you know, her work is great. And I asked her, well, how, how do you make time for that? Like, what do you do? Do you, you know, take off a week or how do you build that in your schedule? She's like, oh, like maybe once a month I'll set up some stuff in the kitchen. <laughs> in the kitchen. Nice. And she just, it wasn't um, this huge production right. or this huge reorientation of her life or her week. She just plopped it in a corner of her kitchen and did it where she fit. And I thought there was something really wonderful in that approach and you know uh, another just another great way to think about it you know you it doesn't have to be the mm-hmm. next thing that you devote your life to or you carve out of your schedule but it can be something that you just allow yourself to do in the sort of corners and moments that you can which is great so I'm <laughs> working on yeah finding the corner in the kitchen to do that kind of stuff. But at least, you know, I'm really um, kind of goal or, um, you know, I, I like to feel like I'm making progress on mm-hmm. something. So, and that there's something specific in mind. So I think part of it for me, you know, in the way that I'm different is that I'm going to have to sort of regiment a little bit so mm-hmm. that I can feel like, oh, I'm marching towards right. this thing. And here I am. Do you have trouble figuring out what that thing is or do you know? Like, do you, like for example, do you have an idea of what you want to write and it's just yeah, a matter of yeah, getting, making do. the time to do it? Yeah, I, uh, there, I have a few ideas for books and a few sort of outlines for stories I want to work on. But, you know, it's the kind of thing that I haven't, you know, that's a craft, that's a skill, you know, story structure, um, writing short form or long form. So... um you know, and I also need a good solid, you know, I can't do it 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there. Um, I need a couple of hours to build in there to do it, to really get on a roll that, that, uh, to flush things out. So yeah, I do. I have ideas that I really like. I can come to those really quickly, but it's a matter of, you know, building the house around it that, you know, but I think that's, pretty common <laughs> yeah yeah that makes sense i mean i think for some people it seems like it's hard to maybe because there's sort of that kind of pressure you're referring to like ta-da now it's time to mm-hmm. do the thing um yeah or i've got just an hour to do it and oh am i gonna squeeze it in but i think where um what always works for me is to focus on what's the story who are the people? What's the action? And I think instead of worrying about like, well, I have to work on this sort of stepping farther into it and zooming into 
um, what's the piece that you want to get out? What's the little element of it that you want to focus on now and just go with it? You know, a way that um, I've always tackled starting a project of any kind is I just start putting words on the page, Mm -hmm. whatever that is, whatever's on my mind when I think of that project in a really broad sense. I don't worry about um, figuring the whole thing out and then putting it on the page or starting from the beginning where you're supposed to. Um, any pieces of it, I just start putting down and then, um, kind of coloring in around it, um, to tease it out. And that works pretty fast for me. Um, so that's, I like that. I don't, I try not to edit too early. Mm -hmm. I try to just sort of get everything out there and then shape it afterwards or continue to kind of winnow it down to what it needs to be. Mm -hmm. That's good. It's, it's fun. Like a, it's it seems fun. like a good approach. Yeah. Well, it's really fun. It allows for, I think it helps me capitalize on what I'm good at. You know, I'm good at coming up with immediate ideas or having a gut reaction to something or um, responding um, with some, a variety of ideas, you know, words, thoughts, concepts quickly as thought starters. So if I can get all those out and then look at them and assess like, okay, what seems to be hitting the mark or what has the most legs? Um, and then that just makes it easier. You know, that makes the rest of the process a mm-hmm. lot easier. Are you good at eventually going back and kind of revising and editing yourself? or? I've gotten much better at it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't before. Um, mm-hmm. I would write a bunch of stuff and just feel like, well, this is fine. Right. I don't want to have to go back here. Or, wow, I don't want to change this. I think I have a lot more. I, I take a lot more pleasure in... Um, you know, pulling something together, getting one edit of it, walking away, coming back to it. And I really, I really like making things lean, Mm -hmm. um, saying the most with very little or being very pointed. Um, I feel like pages and pages of text is just pages and pages of text. So, you know, in some ways that might be a younger person's game. I guess, or just, I don't know. It's because I'm in an academic setting. I think everybody feels like, well, I can, I can, I should, nobody should think about this unless it's at least three pages long. Or, you know, let's talk about ourselves on our website in five paragraph, five opening paragraphs. Like nobody's going to digest. You just, you, you know, there's a time and place for that Mm -hmm. to deep dive into that. And I think if you're, you know, storytelling at a different level, you can earn that, but you have to earn somebody's attention. That's a good point. And, you know, and then that's different. That process is going to be different online than it is with a book, than it is with a sign post or something like that. So respecting who your audience might be and kind of earning, you know, their attention, I think is critical. Not assuming that like, well, yes, they need to have a full understanding because I need to explain myself with 2000 words right. like now you can probably do it in 50 if you tried no, hard. You don't understand. <laughs> right. Right. Have to listen to my whole spiel. Right. Do you think that your um, interest in types of creative pursuits has changed over time? Like as you've gotten older, or, well, I think I've gotten a better about the understanding between like acting and writing. For yeah, example. I think I've gotten to a better, clear understanding of what I love about it, or what a, what what interests me in that area. You know, I think what's what I at the perspective I have today is that what's always been interesting to me is the story is storytelling and, um, 
with other people. So, you know, whether that was doing a school play when I was eight or, you know, auditioning for some terrible TV show in my 20s or um, writing something today, you know, for an alumni magazine. Those are all ways to tell stories. And um, I think what I enjoy so much about the writing work that I'm doing today is that it's just so much more direct. I'm able to do it so much more often. It's Mm -hmm. um, I can have a say in what gets said or what's the story that gets told and how do we tell it. Um, And I'm also equipped better to make those decisions, I think, than I was necessarily at, you know, 22, 23, 24. I was excited to be a part of a group and led by, you know, Um, others to tell a bunch of stories broadly and play make-believe, right? Um, You want to be the story when you start out. And then later, you know, over time, I got to a point where I wanted to, you know, invent the story or tell the story or edit the story, Um, not necessarily be it. So it's sort of moving from an internal thing to an external thing, which is pretty cool because I really had this. It's this. I don't know if every actor's like this, but I. It was the. It's literally like being a seven-year-old for your entire career of where you just want to play make-believe. You, know, you want to be in it. You want to pretend. Mm-hmm. And that's glorious. It's wonderful. But, I mean, it's <laughs> that's the best way to make a living. Or, over time, the most satisfying thing as you, I don't know, want other things, know other things, want to participate in a different way. It's a little limiting, maybe. But. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I mean, I think there's, it's different for everybody, but I think there is this kind of facet where it's fun to be in front of it and get applause or whatever, or some kind of acknowledgement. And then there's a different kind of satisfaction for like, you created the, right, the fundamental right. Well, thing. I, never, I was never into the applause. I was never in it to, I've always been totally fine being in front of as many people doing whatever. But I was never something that I wanted to be recognized personally or Mm -hmm. applauded for. I didn't mind it, but it wasn't anything that was central to the pursuit for me. It was really getting to play pretend. Yeah. Like I get to pretend I'm this make believe person Mm -hmm. or thing with a bunch of other people who are pretending. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's crazy. We're all just going to pretend we're. In this land, right. at this time, having this conversation about these things, and these are the crazy things that are going to happen. You know, in the theater, you get to do that every night, and there's that sort of meta layer of like, oh, we're doing a play, you know, right. and there's people out there, and things can go wrong. And, um, you know, that level of excitement and momentum is a whole other layer that's really fun. But again, that's in the pursuit of playing pretend. Um, so yeah, it's just a whole, you know, it's, it's, um, it's like getting to be a seven year old for a really long time, which is really get that giddiness. Um, it's really fun and really, really great at its best, but a, a really specific thing. Um, and I think what I, what I find satisfying today is being able to do a wider variety of things and to use 
a broader skill set and mm-hmm. just use my brain a different way. When I left being an actor, I very pointedly knew that I needed to use more of my brain and more of myself uh, and not pay so much attention to what I looked like, how thin or fat I was or what I sounded like or, you know, uh, I didn't want to be a part of such a fickle, superficial process Mm -hmm. because it, it just meant that I spent so much more time worrying about superficial, mundane things and less and less time about learning or thinking about concepts, ideas and stories and complicated ideas you know it just wasn't a very challenging long-term thing that I'd been I very pointedly said like I can't I'm kind of my brain needs more and I need to be able to do more with my time right um and that just turned out to be really true you know the minute I stopped uh being an actor I just felt so much more energized and I could do suddenly had the bandwidth to do so many more things you know I, I remember having this feeling of just torpor where I'd you know, maybe it would be an afternoon it was before going to wait tables at night. And I'd be like, how do I get up and walk across the room to get my bag? Just this incredible sense of inertia. And the minute I stopped that kind of life of being project to project, of not knowing what was going to happen next, of, you know, constantly gearing yourself up to prepare for failure or to work with a company of people and then disband, Um, the minute I stopped doing that and had a day job, like a, you know, like a regular hump taking the train going downtown, it was, I had the greatest sense of relief, even from the first week I got on the train. I was like, Oh, structure. Oh, patterns. (laughs) Oh, you know, places I gotta be, things I gotta do, a construct to live within and to be a part of. Um, consistently like and then there's you know there's the paycheck that happens or the meetings that happen like all of those things that I think you know can cripple people right people who've done it their whole lives and lived that life their whole you know the whole their whole career I it can be a weight and it can be stifling but for me it was just I don't know suddenly I had I found what I could get out of an hour was exponentially more than I was doing before um, I just had overall more energy to do more with my life and my time of all kinds. And I found myself pushing myself constantly to do, to learn more, to do more. So from one job to the next, I wanted to learn a different skill set or do something different. Or uh, one job gave me an understanding of what else I wanted to do or what more I wanted to learn about this one thing. And that just was so much more compelling as a way to move through the world and work and have a career than where I was at before. And that's not to say actors don't have really rich, interesting, satisfying careers. I think just for me, the way I'm wired, um, it was just a necessary and really great change um, and dramatic um, mm-hmm. and kind of the opposite end. So whenever I hear people say like, oh, just my job and my career, I don't know, I just want to stop everything and become an artist or become a musician, or go be an actor, or be an improv person. I'm just like, dude, you have no idea. It sounds, everything, grass is always greener on the other side. You have no idea, you know? It's just, it's so, for all the 
pain and anguish and annoying things that happen at an office, you know, it's just, I don't know, at least my, in my experience, that road of an actor is so solitary and so often about all the wrong things, right? About appearances, about um, luck, <laughs> all the way through, about um, getting really torqued up to hopefully get a car commercial to be really, really excited about being on a TV show, an episode of a TV show that I don't think anybody will ever remember, but that's, you know, the, the, Mm -hmm. the sense of satisfaction you get. It's just, it's so external to you. And so, I don't know. It's, it's so fleeting that, you know, what are you building? And I think, yeah, I think when I, I think when I made the switch, it was just a switch to, um, feeling more like I was, um, putting more work into myself than outside of it. It's kind of like, you know, when people tell you that, you know, when you buy a house, it's like, you're putting money into your own, you, your own equity versus when you rent, you just pay mm-hmm. off somebody else's mortgage. That's what it felt like to me that making that switch is that I was paying it out to the ether before. Mm-hmm. And then when I made the switch that I was, I started, uh, that's when I started to finally invest in myself, which was pretty cool. But do you think it was partly that you were, you were freed up because you didn't have to worry about some of the uncertainty? And sure. The, yeah. I think that's a huge part of it. Yeah. Just some consistency, just some you know, over time being able to work on something, get good at something. Um, and also that there, you know, just, uh, being a part of something and and your work, people are paying attention to it over time, right? That what you do and what you contribute matters, Mm -hmm. um, versus that versus, you know, what you do can be done by anybody else. Um, at least that was, my, you know, that's been my experience is mm-hmm. that I feel as though I can, you know, I play an important part because of what I particularly bring to the work and it's my own. Um, and versus being an actor, it just didn't feel like that. It just felt like I, you know, I was the the lucky moron <laughs> who made it through Um Instead of someone who was brought in to bring a particular perspective that was that is was unique mm-hmm. um, another is another i think another piece of it that's really satisfying and really different and again, I think that's different you know I think other actors are gonna you know actors are gonna have a, a variety of experiences with it, but um it just seemed it just has always seemed to be a better way for me to define myself. Career-wise, at least. But it's had enormous effect abroad, right? Like what you do, I don't know. That's just how I'm wired with a career, right? That's what I do really affects the total of who I am and how I move through the world and how I am, you know, as a wife, as a mom, as a friend, you know, feeling out of order or a little, you know, out of whack career-wise, you know, really had a broader impact on my life than just the career part. That's interesting. You should feel like once you kind of hit a stride or a groove, it just overall felt like 
your life felt like it was more. Yeah. Well, I don't compartmentalize things very well. Mm -hmm. Right. So (laughs) if I'm having a shit day at work or I'm really stressed out, I, uh, you know, it's really hard for me to pull those pieces apart and then switch that off and be like, Oh, okay. Everything's great home or enjoy or not think about it. And Mm -hmm. that's to a certain extent, I think that's pretty natural and everybody struggles with that. But I have, and I think part of it is the job that I was in before this happy place that I'm in was so stressful and hard and almost impossible to turn off mm-hmm. that um, that was doubly difficult for me because I can't I'm not really good at saying like, OK, in this situation, I know I'm going through this and I'm feeling this, but this is a totally different situation. And so I'm just going to live my life over here. Right. And I just don't, <laughs> I, don't offer, yeah. I can't do that. I wish I could. I wish I could. I think my husband can do it. David can do that really well. At least I think he can. Yeah. I think some people, right. I think it's just the way some people are wired. Some people are much more able to, to leave it behind and, yes. and shift gears. That's such a great, I really thought, what a great quality to have. Like just, I, I'm not going to sweat that. I'm going to move on. I think about that all the time when I watch sports. It, you sweat it while you're there and then <laughs> right. you stop sweating it when you walk off. Right, right, right. I think about that when I watch sports all the time, right? Like that's must be what they're doing. You know, the when when people are successful or they move through something, <laughs> like when Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers can save the day, right, for his team, it's because he's not dwelling on, oh my God, that was the worst, or I can't believe I did that, or I can't believe we're failing. You You are able to reorient yourself in the moment and compartmentalize to, but this is now, and mm-hmm. this is, this is the opportunity now. Right. And that's not a part of this or what happened before this other failure. Yeah. Right. There's like a, a Zen quality to that. Yeah. I think to being, to leaving everything else behind and being in the moment right, and being right. able to do, I don't know and then being in the next Zen. moment. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what Zen? I, you know what? I don't know. The ice, I use the term Zen all the time. I have no idea what it means. I never have. Like the whole Zen and the art of motorcycle, whatever. Maintenance? maintenance riding? Right. Maintenance? Maintenance. No yeah. idea what that is. It sounds really good. It sounds really quiet. It sounds really meditative. Do you meditate? Um, not regularly. No. What do you do? <laughs> we don't have to. I, do, you, do you like just sit quietly? Do you make some noise? Sometimes. Um, sometimes I like to sit quietly and then I find other things to be, for me, meditative. Like playing music yeah, is yeah, yeah, yeah. for me a yeah, very sure. a very meditative thing that's mm-hmm. a, a a way that i can just dismiss everything else from mm-hmm. my from my mind and that's how we so yeah that would be the definition of meditating right sort of clearing your mind i think to just be yeah but it's interesting you know you were talking about the um the kind of routine of going to work and stuff mm-hmm. and then sort of just Buddhism, there's a lot of that, you know, like the routine of you, like, yeah, you yeah. wash the rice bowl and you right, do, right, you know, right, 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 right. chop wood, carry water, all that stuff. And okay. that, that there's a, um, in, there's a, the pattern a piece provides, and something yeah. to right to, to being in those ritualized yeah, 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 ritual, yeah, yeah. things okay. and yeah. to be, to actually be attentive while you're yeah. doing them. Yeah. So, but that it's also sort of liberating in it and that those things can serve, um, even though they seem mundane, they can basically be a vehicle to. Yeah. yeah. I had a cool experience like that. I was at, when I worked at the, for Levy restaurants, one of the, there's a day in which you have to sign up to just do another job, like some other job 
randomly through the company. And my assignment was to go make pasta with the pasta ladies at Spiaggia first thing in the morning. So they get to work at like 7 a.m. And they do breads and pastas, like fresh pastas for the day. And it was the coolest and what I think is probably the most zen experience, though, again, I never looked it up. I'll I'll wiki it after we talk. But um, it was so much about the methodology, so much about the physical experience. And there was no verbal explanation. It was just the materials, the ingredients, and the process, the physical, very, very obviously physical hand process, no machinery, very little. I think there was a mixer. Um and and a very communal process uh, to making these strands of fresh pasta and little raviolis and little scalloped edged um, filled pasta puffs. And it was just a very methodical, very quiet um, experience that was really cool because there was still you know I was also we had it was making the pasta for the day so you had to do it right so <laughs> didn't nobody had like a wonky piece of gnocchi um but so much of it is just a purely tactile right experience mm-hmm. so which take which is learned over time because it's you know how are your hands coming together to roll the dough between your hands and where is that perfect pocket between your palms to create the right thickness and Mm -hmm. ends and then pops out it just seemed like watching them was this wonder it was almost like watching someone do a great magic trick and they're so it's such so beautiful and so elemental uh and so great because it wasn't about talking or writing or explaining or um you know the normal day-to-day chaos of working Mm-hmm. Where I do, where I did, and um, it just a really that that it was uh, for me. It turned out. I mean, I'm sure for them, it's another day at the office, which is a different thing. I don't know that they have the same experience of it, but um, that was really really cool. And I think um, I don't know. Whenever I think of the word meditation, I think I'm gonna sit cross legged and be quiet in a room and try to. I don't know if I can do that. And isn't there another more constructive way to get to what I want to do? But that's not really the point. So if I think about things like the pasta ladies at 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. and that idea of, of um, a routine or process or ritual, I think that's cool. Yeah. I kind of get that. I think, if, you know, we were talking before we started taping about the plants and stuff. Like, I think even things like watering plants or, like, pruning plants, like, mm-hmm. that's another thing. Where yeah. It's another example of, of even just a small ritual that I think can be really soothing. <clears throat> I don't know. I think for some people, they have a sort of a different ideal mix of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like a, a physical routine um, versus thinking stuff um and the mix is probably the ideal mix is probably different for everybody but it seems like a little bit of each is probably a good yeah yeah i'm a big advocate for everything in moderation Uh, the only thing is is i just don't know how to meditate or do like yoga i don't do yoga it's like too quiet or i don't know i just it's i don't know what it is about it but i don't want to slow down that much Mm -hmm. or i don't I'm reluctant to slow down my brain that much. Um, do you read at <laughs> night before you go to bed? Uh, yeah, not all the time. It kind of depends on 
Uh, very often I will. Very often I'll go into spurts where I'll read like seven books in five days or something insane. Maybe not that much, but, um, and I read on my phone. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I'll stay up late. Reading. What's your wine? What's your normal, uh, end of the day routine? Like, what do you do? Do you wind down before you go to bed or you just, well, it's a double, right? <clears throat> so we put Ellery, we had her, you know, Ellery dinner and then Ellery gets wound down and put to bed. And then, um, I don't know. Usually I might, I'm, I always try to try to get my pajamas as early as possible. Mm. <laughs> um, I don't really have that much of a routine except sometimes I go to the gym and then I come home. Okay. In the evening. Right. And then like after, like we'll have dinner and then I'll go to the gym. I don't, maybe I don't have a good wind down routine. I'm, I feel like I don't No, like but I think you you're making me realize that that might be my <clears throat> issue with, sleep sometimes but i um i don't know i don't have much of a routine except i put on my pajamas and i just sort of either read my phone or i watch television maybe hopefully aliens or blade runners on or something like that and i'll Mm -hmm. watch that um but it doesn't really feel routine to me so maybe i need to i don't know do people have routines do you have like a routine like things like these are the set of things i do or I, I, if I deviate from this pattern, I'm a little like. Mm. If I if I'm overstimulated, like if I'm computing until the last minute and then yeah. I go right to bed, that can be a little agitating to me. Yeah. Um, unless I'm super super tired, which it could still be agitating, but then I'll be able to fall asleep. But right, I tend right. to like to uh, reduce the sort of yeah. visual stimulation and that kind of stuff. I will I will read before going to sleep. What are you, what are you reading right now? Um, I'll read different things. Like at night I'll read, um, I'll probably read something fiction or historical or something. I won't read anything that has to do with processor is going to make me think about doing things. Right. So I won't read it. I won't read an article or a book about making music Mm -hmm. or about how to get things Mm -hmm. done or stuff like that because it, it activates my brain and then I'm mm-hmm. starting to kind of like go through the actions that, that would go with. Right. Right. Um, so I'm more likely to read something, something about history or mm-hmm. biography or, or maybe something fictional to, right, right. to kind of, to get me out of my daily yes. routine and yes. place. Yeah. Yeah. I think I do that too. Yeah. I, I, there's very little I read outside of, the bulk of what I read is fiction. Mm-hmm. Every now and then I'll read something historical. I typically don't read biographies. Mm-hmm. Or I haven't yet. But yeah, I like that escapism. Something has to feel mm-hmm. like it takes me out of my world, not deeper into it. Right. That <laughs> makes total sense. <clears throat> um, what kind of... Do you have- so you mentioned the the TV show or the movies you just mentioned were both sci-fi-ish things. Like what yeah. kind of things do you like to watch that stuff? Do you like to read sci-fi things? Um, no, not so much. I read a ton of uh, sort of, I, I, if things explode in a movie, I will watch that movie. Okay. Uh, I have a very sort of eight-year-old's approach to Breaking glass, explosions. Yeah, breaking glass, fights, chases, any kind of okay. chasey chase in space or on land at any period in time. Um, I will never watch a romantic comedy unless there are explosions in it and a lot of them. Um, 
yeah, I uh, um, I like a lot of action or otherworldly stuff. Again, pure escapism, the better. Um, in terms of fiction, uh, I don't know. I'm a huge mystery reader. Um, and other things. I mean, certainly other things. There are a lot of writers I like. When you read mysteries, do you do you figure them out before it's revealed, or are you actively trying to, or do you just kind of just go along for the ride? I just go along for the ride. Mm-hmm. I just go along for the ride. Um, yeah, and I tend to read them really quickly. That's sort of like the fast. Like they're what I like about uh, mysteries and thrillers is that they're sort of built for you to sort of race through them. Sure. Uh, so I might read like three in a week or something ridiculous like that. And then there's sort of other literature that I'll sit with for a couple of weeks and enjoy in a different way. But that's kind of what I love about mysteries and thrillers is that they're sort of designed to keep you at a breakneck pace through them, which yeah. is pretty satisfying. For mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's fun when you want to like find out what happens next, yeah. right? Yeah. Are yeah. you a pretty fast reader overall? Yeah. Yeah. I have, in fact, I have to slow myself down usually to sort of pay more attention to things because mm-hmm. there's so much more in there to pay attention to. I, I do race through things sometimes. It's kind of, I need to pro- re- read it, process it, keep going. Mm-hmm. I kind of, but I think that's kind of how I have to be at work, right? I have to read, have an opinion of something quickly, have an opinion about it, edit it in a pretty efficient way. So, mm-hmm. um, I sometimes I have to sort of shift gears in how I read something too. Right, there's different reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, modes. yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Um, you said you might get into biographies one day, but you're not. In- I feel like I haven't really expanded beyond a couple of genres, mm-hmm. really. And I think there's probably a lot out there that I would really, really enjoy, mm-hmm. but I just haven't taken the time. I get really taken with like a really good book cover (laughs) or a really salacious mystery plot. Mm -hmm. So it's hard for me to venture beyond that to, you know, bespeckled old guy in a photo from 1912 or, you know, I think I'm trying to remember. I read, what have I read that's like that? I mean, I read Lean In when it came out. Um, I don't know. They're just a really a small amount of things that I've read in the nonfiction category. Mm-hmm. Even the stuff that's even though I, I mostly gravitate towards stuff that's a little bit more historical fiction than straight nonfiction. Right. Um, which I like. So I like reality, but they got to have better book covers. You know, I feel like a lot of the nonfiction, they just don't do a good job of with the book covers. They don't make them very enticing. My problem is uh, I have sometimes is with um, titles that seem sort of intriguing or flowery or metaphorical, and then the, the book's sort of mundane, and it's <laughs> disappointing to me. Like, I wanted to live up to the title. Yeah. Well, it's hard, because you really, I mean, that's the, right? That's the hook. That's this right. is how we make close the deal with you. Do you like this title? Do you like what's on the jacket? Um yeah, book titles are really loaded. I feel like you can tell a lot from the book title. <laughs> you can judge a lot by the cover. <laughs> uh, Oscar Wilde said, right? It's only a fool who doesn't judge a book by its cover or doesn't judge a person by appearances. Yeah, what I try to, to do effect. is I'll usually try to crack it open like in the middle or just to read the first few sentences to see if I like the writing. Oh, okay. And if I like the writing, then I can commit to it. 
Yeah. Um, it's sometimes easy. That, then that's a way to sort of break through the sort of like, oh, really? Why did they pick that for the cover art? Or, right. well, that title seems really maudlin, you know? So some, sometimes to break with that pattern, I might yeah. like walk through a bookstore and just read the first few sentences of something to see how I feel about it. I mean, I'm sure publishers have done a lot of analysis and that there's a whole psychology to the book covers. Oh, yeah. Well, what's the target demographic? Okay, what are the things that they like? What right. tastes well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like there's an opportunity to that. subvert that for somebody if they're willing to. Yeah, it'd be really great just to put the title in nothing like a generic cover and everything to see how things did. Right. I feel like... Yeah, there's those patterns and it would be fun to... Mm-hmm. Or mix of categories, mix of, right? Yeah. So not have like, here's this section, this section, and this section, but it's just a alphabet, not even alphabetized. Maybe it's just like a collection of generically bound books and titles. And see how, how do you, you decide do. what to read next? Like, do you have a list or... No. 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 I, um, I talk to the librarian if I'm, if I'm in a pinch. Mm-hmm. Um, very with thrillers, that's what's easy about them because you can just sort of like everybody has a series, yeah. So you can just keep buzzing through them, right? Once you find them, which a... is great. Like fast food, it's really great. And so when I'm outside of that, when I want to read beyond that, um, I don't know. I just look at book lists. I see what people are reading. Um, I don't know. I try to nose around, look at what the Guardian's recommending, look at what NPR is recommending, look mm-hmm. at the most of the, the Times bestseller list is always full of like. Some cringeworthy, some great, some like lowest common denominator, right. some things that everybody should just read. So, I mean, I think that's one thing. But um, And then sometimes I just try to go to the bookstore. I work really close to 57th Street Books, so right. it's great just to wander around in there and pick up things and read a sentence or two to see what might stick. And that's just, that's still the best way. That's still the best experience in terms that's of browsing really for books. You know what I mean? Like sort of um, in any kind of book and um, that's still way by, by far the best way. Cause I never, you know, I, some people could say like this, I really like this for this, this, and this. And that's one perspective, which is wonderful, but I don't know if I like it as much. Right. It works for me with thrillers. Cause I'm kind of, it's a little bit like my junk food. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll just read it and be psyched about it. And it will have the mechanisms in it that I enjoy. Right. But in you terms of other things, yeah, in terms of other things, I'll follow authors that I know that I really like. Um, and then beyond that, I'll try to discover stuff in person. Interesting. All right. I'm going to shift gears for a second. Okay. We, you went to high school in the city. Yeah. In grade school. It's, I went to Pilgrim Lutheran grade school and St. Scholastic high school. Oh, you went to Ridge, okay. Ridge and Howard. Yeah. Scholastica. So were you taught by nuns there? How does yes, that work? Yes. Taught Did by nuns. Did you grow up going to church or anything like that? Um, yeah. I went to, you know, um, there was a, there's a church attached to my old grade school. So every Wednesday we'd have chapel. Um, it was a pretty low pressure situation and it was very uh, social. So my experience with going to church... Uh, is predominantly one of just being social mm-hmm. with a community, with my school community, which was very positive for the most part. Right. Um, high school was a little different. I, I don't really recall going to church, and that wasn't there wasn't. I mean, there was a chapel attached to the building because we were attached to a priory, but certainly a different thing. Um, and yeah, we had nuns 
teaching us. They were great. Do you, ever, do you ever go to a church or anything now? No. I'm trying to, let me try to think of when the last time I was at, in a church. Well, like uh, <laughs> weddings. Sure. Funerals. Right. That's when I go now. Right. But <laughs> <laughs> So those are hyper-dramatic yes. pivotal moments. Um, yeah. But I don't. Um, I don't. You know, I'm a very comfortable atheist. Mm -hmm. I think it's, you know, I'm happy and glad that I had the experience I had, you know, being in and around various churches growing Mm -hmm. up. And I think that it's a really offers a really important piece of education, right? Particularly for storytellers, right? I think, you know, you've got some foundational stories in the Bible, um, which you see woven throughout all kinds of literature. So for me personally, from that standpoint, you know, it was great. And, but also something kind of surprisingly enough, easy for me to just sort of say like, that's great for what that is. And it is not my bag. Mm-hmm. Um, but churches are pretty cool. They're pretty crazy looking and unique and, formal and I get how they're supposed to be awe inspiring, which I think is a a pretty cool thing to shoot for. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I always think that same thing, like especially for older churches, you know, if you were in, if it was 200 years ago and you went into some of these churches, you'd be like, holy crap, there must be a God because how else could you make a building this big and awesome? It's an incredible Especially relative to other buildings that were Yes, especially ones that were built before. You lived in a hut and you went to this, (laughs) right? Right, right, right. And then you realize how terrible that is that they put all this effort and money into making one building really great that nobody could go to but once a week. Um, Yeah, they're really, yeah, uh, they're, they're pretty majestic and cool. I mean, all of them are different. Then you've got the sort of ones that are a little bit more homey, a little bit more accessible, sure. which is fine. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I was exposed to churches a lot growing up. And I don't have any, I don't, I don't have any personal experiences that were negative at all about mm-hmm. it. Mine are all ideological differences. So, yeah. So, we, I mean, did you... Subscribe to the beliefs you think when you were younger and then that changed or it was all social for me I don't think I thought that much about It wasn't until I thought about well, what's the story and how does I don't think that makes sense but before then it was really all about the community and Just broad ideas about you should be good and generous and kind and helpful to people Um, You should uplift those who don't have as much as you. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if you're a jerk, it will come back to haunt you. Um, You know, just those really basic tenets of morality that were great. You know what I mean? And people is all about kids singing songs and choir. That's fun. I love that. Um you know, holidays with things going on and people getting dressed up and going, well, that's fun. Um, and it wasn't until later, till I got into college that, you know, I was away from all of that in the fabric of my day-to-day culture mm-hmm. that I went, okay, I should really decide, mm-hmm. you know, what it is I think right. or what it is I believe or I don't believe. Yep. Uh, 
the idea of being agnostic really didn't jibe with who I am generally. I feel like I'm pretty decisive. You should be able to make it a call on this if you can. Uh, So, yeah, it was a very sort of, it wasn't an emotional thing. It was an intellectual kind of evolution or evaluation. Right. Interesting. So do you, or did you think, do you ponder like questions of how the world got to be or what happens after we die or anything like that? Uh, I, I feel like nature is more than enough. I feel like the way, what we know and don't know about our world, about space, chemistry, biology, nature around us um that's huge and that is you know the reason you know and the i don't believe or see or see or feel a need to have uh, a mysterious presence surrounding that governing that beyond it mm-hmm. i think nature's big enough and I always have, and I'm fine with that. And I don't think anything happens after you die. <laughs> and I'm okay with that, you know? Right. And if there is, then that's great. But I can't know what that is, so I can think about that later when it comes up. You know, I just, I, uh, my, my, I'm pretty sure there's nothing, or there's at least nothing that I can actually access, which is fine. But uh, granted, I, I mean, there's, you know, I'm, I'm also the first to say, like, I don't know what I don't know. Right. There could be. Right. There could be a guy with a beard on a throne in the sky. There could be. Sure. You know, there could be ghosts. There could be another world. There could be, you know, whatever we think happens post mm-hmm. this conscious state. And that's fine. I don't sweat it. You know, what I what I need to function as a part of society, as a part of my family and friends. You know, we got nature, we've got seasons, we've got the sun, we've got the solar system. Mm-hmm. That's huge and that's plenty. So Yeah. I don't really I don't need much comfort, I think. You know, and I think about um people who are uh, in organized religion, I see it as uh, a system or as a construct that helps people um, feel okay, feel belonging, feel there's a sense of order um, when things are chaotic, particularly. Uh, And that's fine. And I, for some reason, I'm totally fine without it. Or I think that there's plenty of that order out there to be had without other things. (laughs) That makes sense. I, I think it offers different things for different people, but I, I do think that there's some people are more comfortable with, I mean, just in general with uncertainty or with not having answers yeah. to things, including yeah. things like how the world works or yeah. and stuff like that. So. No, I think that's right. I think that's really, really right. 
Um, and I wish, I wish everybody was a little bit more comfortable with uncertainty. I think it would be much better off. Maybe. Again, I'm. This is where this one of those points where I'm just kind of talking out loud. We're never talking about thinking out loud. That's not necessarily something I totally believers thought about before. But maybe maybe people would be better if they were okay with what they didn't know. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about like yourself as being a decisive person or wanting to. Yeah. Um, how does that fit with uncertainty in the world? Uncertainty about life or things that happen or things that might happen to you or whatever? Like, do you feel like you're comfortable with uncertainty or do you feel like you don't? Uh, yeah, it depends on the situation. Mm I, uh, I am not comfortable with uncertainty and where I am able to alleviate uncertainty. That's great. There, the um, uh, I've come to a point where the bigger uncertainty what's going to happen with global warming, what's going to happen in the election, what's going to happen in Syria you know, sort of bigger questions of uncertainty. I am, I am okay, I don't have control over that, mm-hmm. you know. I, there's so I don't need to borrow anxiety on something that I have no input in or control over. I should say input for sure, right? Sure. But not control over in its entirety. You know. So it sounds like it's a little bit like a locus of control thing. So yes. if it's within your control to yeah. create certainty or define that, then you're interested to do yes. that. And if yes. it's outside that. Then, then good you're on not you. going to sweat it. No. No. But if it's something that I feel like I have the ability to control or should have the ability to control, then I'm going to get rid of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. But if it's out there, it's fine. If it's, <laughs> it's, it's a pretty clear right. dividing. And I think maybe that ties in a little bit to sort of the whole religion and belief system. Like, in my little world, I certainly have needs for stability, for understanding, for... So in my little world, I don't, you know, I'm good. This is the world is turning. Seasons are changing. That's the bigger picture to me. Not another belief system or religious belief system. And because beyond that is that's out of my sphere. I don't need that, you know, or I don't I don't need to worry about that Mm -hmm. because I can't. You know, I know what I can affect change on immediately and what I can't. Are you a warrior in general? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think so. No. Well, it's really funny. I was watching um, that Inside Out movie, that I've Disney movie, sure. right? So the movie, you know, everybody is born with like these little people in their brains who represent like joy, anger, disgust, sadness, and maybe worry. And... Um, they all try to respond to things in the right way and they save memories and all of that's good stuff. And it's a wonderful tale about how people evolve emotionally, right? And um, how their experiences help them evolve emotionally over time through good things and bad things. And this one character, Joy, in it, um, you know, has to walk around with this character, Sadness, for part of it. And Sadness is just a drag, right? She's just 
everything is awful and that's really sad that that happened and she just sort of becomes immobile and has to be dragged around by joy and joy is constantly like okay everything's cool we're gonna figure this out we're gonna think about this instead and we're gonna get this on the right track and she's sort of trying to drive Mm -hmm. everybody to a more positive place and halfway through that movie i was like oh my god that's how I live in trying to squelch down or drag along sadness behind me or get rid of it or make it stop. Um, and the, one of the lessons of the movie is, you know, you need all of it, mm-hmm. right, to be a person mm-hmm. and to move through life. You're going to need to embrace sadness because that's going to help you get to another place. You're going to have to embrace your fury so you can get to another place. You know, you're going to have to you know, embrace your worry and uncertainty to be able to evolve. And I had this epiphany of like, oh, my God, I always try to make things, you know, seem like just everything is okay or will be okay. Like, yeah, the world's falling apart, but nothing we can do about it. So let's move forward or we're just going to let's focus on what's positive. And, you know, I've never thought of myself as a Pollyanna person and I don't think I am. But um, I do think I am really I am so afraid of wallowing in sadness or negativity that sometimes I don't allow space for that. Mm -hmm. So I learned something from Pixar, which was really (laughs) I mean, I think that's an interesting point, right? That there's a, there's a balance and everybody's kind of has a different set point and stuff, but that probably you need to, it seems like it's, you have to incorporate those things to some extent. Right? Yeah. You need, to, you need to be... It seems like it might not be super healthy to not acknowledge certain feelings at all. Or give them sort of an arbitrary end date. Mm-hmm. Or just try to move past them so quickly without taking the time to understand, maybe? Mm-hmm. Or appreciate? Mm-hmm. But I think that's my, my, my correction is that like, why would you want to wallow in that? Just you know, rub some dirt on it. But I think there's, you know, I think there's probably a midpoint between right. wallowing and glossing over something. That's right. <laughs> that's right. But that's the tricky part, I think, is finding that, finding that midpoint, figuring mm-hmm. out where mm-hmm. that is. Have you kind of always been like that, do you think, since you were younger? Uh, no. Okay. I think that I got that way or got myself to a point where I, uh, I think it was probably that I would not react to stress very well, or I would get sad or panicked or freaked out and not know how to get myself out of it. And then I figured out a way to do that for myself Mm -hmm. where I would sense a freak out or sense a a jamming up of some kind or Mm -hmm. like a sadness. And then, um, over time, I was able to figure out how to work myself through it quickly um, and not be sort of frozen mm-hmm. by whatever that was. Mm-hmm. So I don't. And again, I don't know if that's good or bad, but I, uh, but yeah, I work, I, I do think I work pretty hard at not suffering. Mm-hmm. Not, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah if, you, if something happens, something happens, but. Um, 
I try not to dwell. Yeah, yeah. I try not to dwell around it. I always try to, I, I think of it as always putting it in context. This is what it is. This is what's happening. There will be a beginning, middle, and end of it because that's just the way it is. And that could be a lot of different, meaning a lot of different things, but. Right, I don't but know. that's a, seems like a valuable perspective. Yeah, well, it's been an easier, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's easier in some Maybe situations or not to. I think if, 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 you know, you're, you know, fielding issues, sadness, crises over and over again, it gets harder and harder to have <laughs> perspective because your perspective includes a lot of shit. Right. Um, but I think, you know, at least that's, I think it's helped me try to have a balanced reaction or cope mm-hmm. in a, in the most balanced way, maybe. Yeah. When you think about yourself over the last, let's say 20 years, right? So not counting youth. Wow. What's That's that? The, it's the space age ringtone of my computer. Um, <laughs> cards against humanity is looking for you. <laughs> cards never sleep. Um, if you, when you think about yourself, like over the last, let's say, 15, 20 years. Um, I'm sure there are many small ways, but are there any broad ways that you think you've changed? Like, do you look at yourself and say, like, oh, I'm a more of a this kind of person now? Like, are there any apparent changes to you? I think I am totally different, but more of myself. Okay. I think that uh, over the last 20 years, I have... Um, become better at being myself and all that that means. So I have found a way to have a career that allows me to do what I love and grow intellectually. So in that, I get to be more of myself or uncover more of myself or grow more as myself and not fight against, mm-hmm. you know, fight against it so much. Uh, I think that, uh, I'm just overall a less negative person. I think 20 years ago I was, um, prone to being really short tempered and intolerant and judgmental. And I think folks could argue that I haven't lost much of that. I don't think I'm any less opinionated, but I think that I have. Uh, more, um, I try to be more actively tolerant and thoughtful across the board and how I move through the world and, and how I am with people. Um, so yeah, I think, I think I'm much different, but I'm much different in the sense that I used to spend a lot of time fighting against who I was or who I wanted to be or what I thought and much more time sort of combating things. Um, or combating the world, whereas today I think that I spend more time just being myself, living my life, and finding opportunities and projects to do battle because it's fun or interesting or engaging or mm-hmm. a challenge, mm-hmm. I think. It's a good direction to move. <laughs> think so i think so it feels much more it feels much more zen Mm -hmm. (laughs) whatever that is 
However you, however you want to define it. I really have only defined it by the way that word sounds. That's a valid. I have never. Don't you think it's a little bit? It's 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 kind of terrible that I have never really gone to the dictionary. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe I haven't. I just forgot. But right. I really feel like that's a phrase that I and other people throw around all the time. But I just use it mostly because <laughs> I like the way it sounds, and I think I, it I think is what valid. it sounds. I think that's valid. I do that a lot. That's what's challenging about having a daughter who is learning language, right? She's six, so she's getting better and better and learns more and more words. And she's will ask, you know, the words become more complicated and the concepts become more complex. And she'll ask me what things are. So having to stop and articulate for a six-year-old, what does this word mean, is really cool. It's like there are sometimes she'll ask me things. It was like the word indignant came up, three indignant bears and something came up. And she asked me what indignant meant. And I told her what it meant before I really thought about it. And I was like, I think that's what it means. But I wonder if how I use, you know, it's how you use something, right? There's how you use it and in context and the feeling you have with it. Sometimes there's a gap between that and what the actual dictionary definition of it is, at least for me. And because it can mean many different things in many different situations. So that's always a really fun kind of word game for me to have with her. Yeah, that's interesting. I I also think that I feel like, In general, kind of people who who've grown up speaking more than one language, mm, mm-hmm. I feel like they have a little more of a sense of the um, the flexibility of language. That, yes. that these these sounds, these words, represent something, but that can be represented in different mm-hmm. ways and something that it's not so rigid. Right? It's not a one to one relationship between a word and a meaning necessarily. Yeah. Well, it's also in sentence structure too, right? Of what the person subject's relationship is to sure. the idea or the action. Yeah. It's so interesting. It's really great. Um, that, that can have such an impact, right? On how we relate to each other, how we relate to things, how we, yeah, you know, how that ladders up to culture. It's yeah. Cool. I feel like having a little bit of flexibility about interpreting and understanding words is, it's probably a pretty good thing. Yeah, I love it. I, I think that's use, one of my I favorite used things. I to have that. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> it was very kind of like, well, no, no, this is right, and this is very bi- yeah. kind of binary, and now I think I like the flexibility of it. And well, I, I think it's great to know the ground well. rules, right? Sure, you got it to true. be flexible. You need to know what the ground rules are to know what you're breaking. Right. And I think that's where the fun is, right? Yeah. At least I think it is. Yeah. That's totally valid. Yeah, I do... And I think you're right. It's interesting. Like, you know, kids, they don't have that. They don't have all that stuff set up, all that rigidity in the alignment of a word and a meaning mm-hmm. and stuff yet. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's probably a pretty cool way to, to revisit it. Yeah. Well, it just makes you think, mm-hmm. well, what's coming out of your mouth and what you're thinking and how and what's really important to me is sort of to get the dictionary or get the here's the root of it. And then here's how we might use it in a lot of different mm-hmm. situations and how, how it gets flexible. Mm-hmm. I think that's really interesting to me. Like here's elementally what this is or here's factually what happened. Right. And then you can stretch it however you want. Because yeah. some of that stretch is always going to be commentary on what the original was. And I think that's part of the effectiveness or the intrigue of whatever you choose to do with it. Mm-hmm.
It's also interesting, you know, different, like in different languages, how they'll take the same idea or whatever and then have multiple, um, you know, maybe more words than English does for the same thing. Right. And that those have subtle differences mm -hmm. in meaning, really, or tone or whatever. And that it's... Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, yeah, I guess there are some more ways you can... Mm -hmm. Yeah, language language and words are the coolest thing. It's so funny when I you talk about how my different 20 years ago to today. Like I was an English major in college more than 20 years ago, 25-plus years ago. But, I mean, that's what I've always loved. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And there's something about... Um, coming back to that that's really exciting for me words are just amazing they're just super fun talking to people is super fun expressing yourself or seeing how people express themselves is fascinating do you like talking to strangers no <laughs> no I uh, I am it's so funny yesterday uh I felt like every experience I had with strangers, like those tertiary walking down the street, I thought everybody was great. I had one of those days where I was like, wow, everybody is sort of smiling and seems cordial. Went to the grocery store after work to pick up some things and everybody, random people were just like, you know, sort of smiling and nodding and just sort of generally had good vibes. Like nobody was being phony or anything, but it just felt like, hi, good. How do you do? Excuse me. After you, really great. Again, I went to the gym later on the day, and everybody's like, "Yeah, just good vibes all the way around." And I was like, "People, everyone, world, good job, well done." Despite a lot of shit going on, yeah. great work, everybody, and putting out some good vibes there. That's as much communing with strangers as I need on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. I talk, you know what I mean. I meet people all the time at work. I have to talk with people that I don't know that much at work all the time. I'm happy to do it in that mode. I don't have a problem asking for help. I'm not, I don't think that I'm agoraphobic, but I don't need to, I'm not one of those people who needs to, I'm not going to start talking to you when I'm sitting next to you on the plane. Right, right. I don't want that. I'm not going to stand at the bus stop. And like, if something funny comes up, I might comment to it sure. and eh, whatever a little bit, but I got, re I got to keep the reins real tight on that. I don't, I, uh, my friend Crescent is really great at talking with strangers sometimes and I think you know we'll meet somewhere at a bar for a drink after work and she'll just get every, someone's life story who is ever sitting next to her and I think that's great there's something really um, community focused about that and really open and really wonderful and um, you know I think we should be elevating the people around us to you know a level of importance just because they exist uh -huh. near us but I just don't <laughs> I typically am like, no, no, no. I mean, maybe a little bit, but my gut instinct is to be like, good on you. Mm -hmm. Enjoy Keep up and proceed. Work. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get it. I think you probably hear some really great stories if you did talk with strangers. I think that'd be wonderful. Maybe I'll do that when I'm an old lady. You know, maybe when I don't have a job, I'll just make it my job to sort of chit chat with people. I'm open to that. I'm open to changing how I operate out of necessity. That seems good. Yeah. I like change. Yeah, I like change. I like doing something totally new. Mm -hmm. I like that gearing up part that like, what is this? How do I do this? I don't know anything about like the that. the learning part. Yeah, and the... Mm -hmm. I like that a lot.
That seems really good. That seems like a good, a useful quality. It is if you have to change gears a lot. I'm not really good at the sustain part, mm. or I don't think that I am, or I haven't done yeah, that. Yeah. I'm not well practiced at that part, which I think is part of the reason why I've never written a novel is that there's that one part where you just have to keep on doing something <laughs> and then keep on doing something right. and then do it some more. Yeah. I don't know that um, beyond my marriage, I don't know that I'm good. At, I, there's nothing else that I've done for that amount of time, <laughs> that I've committed to for that amount of time, which maybe that's why, you know, like that's the one thing that I can do for a really long time. Everything else I have to change up. Well, I guess I have a daughter now, too, so I have to be a mom for... A while. The duration, yeah. yeah. So it's two. Throw a novel in there. That, seems, that makes it sound easy, right? That's right. <laughs> I think it's sort of... Um, it's common for people to say, like, oh, yeah, I like change, and change is good. That's, mm -hmm. like, a thing that everybody's supposed to believe. But right, I don't right. But I don't think that's... I don't think necessarily everybody actually thinks that it's good or actually likes it. Or right. Is actually I mean, I like it. Embracing it. Yeah. I like it in my job. I mm -hmm. guess I don't know that I like it in my personal life, maybe. Right. Or I don't seek it out in my personal life, but I do <sighs> seek it out in a career wise yeah. outside of that. I mean, I think part of the thing is like, yes, I like change if it's for the better. <laughs> right. Like I like those changes. <laughs> right. When right, things right. change and they get better. Right. I like those. So that's I good. don't like it when they no. change and get worse, really. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you don't know that about change, if it's going to be better or worse. Right. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. I like opportunity. Mm-hmm. I always liked auditioning. Which sounds like, like yeah, you're willing to... Yeah. I like opportunity. ...absorb a certain amount of risk or whatever. Yeah. On, embrace a certain amount of uncertainty about the outcomes yeah, yeah, of yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah. As long as it feels like an opportunity, not like a... <laughs> yeah. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. I adjust. I will adjust my definition. Not just change, just opportunity. It's messaging. There you go. <laughs> you just tweaked it right there. I did. And it's more accurate. Awesome. All right. I'm going to let you probably need to do your thing. Yeah, I do, right? What time is it? Okay. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Thank you, Eva Yusa, you. for doing this. This was fun and a very nice, relaxing treat. That's good. A good way to roll into my Friday weekend right mode. On. Good. Thank you. Good. Thanks for coming and doing this. My pleasure. Very good. I feel like we only scratched the surface of topics, but there are, yeah, but good ones. Good ones. Yeah. All right. I'm going to pause us. Thank you. A formal thank you, Eva Yusuf, for being on the What Else show. Thanks again for listening to this episode of What Else. We'll be back soon with more people talking.